0: So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team,
1: Well, welcome along to the latest edition of the Lord's podcast. This month, we look back on the cricketing summer, look forward to the ashes down under, catch up with Stephen Fry as we launch our new Laws animations here at the MCC. As well as all this, Angus Fraser reflects on Middlesex's season and in the history section of the podcast we head down memory lane with Mike Gatting and Michael Palin. There are plenty to get through and it's my great pleasure to welcome my co-host this month who's perched up in the JP Morgan Media Centre with me. It's the editor of the Cricketer magazine, Mr Andrew Miller. How are you? Hello well, I'm very well, thank you. Fantastic. Good to be at Lords. Lovely to be, always lovely to be at Lords.
2: Even even when, even when the sun's setting, the season's over, and, and, and the pitch has been scarified, I believe is what they call it. Something, something like that. Something like that. Something yeah. a bit different to, to the height of summer, that's for sure. It looks
1: like it hasn't seen much rain and it's had a lot of sun on it, doesn't it? <laughs> it doesn't look very English out there. No, a wee bit
2: like Port Elizabeth or somewhere. But, uh, very pleasant. Fantastic. And I'd just like to ask um, how are things going at the cricketer? Very well, thank you. We put the latest issue to bed yesterday, so uh, perfect time of the month. You know, just uh, sit back, kick, kick my feet up on the desk and uh, pontificate for a wee bit. That's, uh, that's what we got, got got lined up. So, uh, no, it's all, all good. Great fun. I've been, been in the role for about, uh, about 19, 20 months now. So, um, yeah, it's been 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 an eye-opener and uh, really enjoying the, enjoying the challenge
1: and previous to that of course you were the editor at Crickinfo the U- at UK
2: that's right effectively I was you know the the England correspondent for Crickinfo and and basically in charge of, of all things English when it goes into what is essentially a global site so you know I was I I was I was cornering off the English market uh, fantastic job as well you know absolute plum job and I uh, did that for about 10 years and then got the opportunity to edit a magazine that's been in existence since 1921. You know, I just thought, wow, that's, uh, opportunities are not like that, don't come along every day. Um, I give it a go and it's, um, yeah, really enjoyed uh, switching switching from online to off, which is kind of counterintuitive in this day and age, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. It's something I wanted to ask you about. Um, were you nervous to sort of go into print when everything seems to be pushing towards online at the moment? Everything's going online, it's... The multimedia age that we live in, especially with cricket, Twitter, all these kind of things?
2: Well, absolutely. I mean, it was, it was a big, big decision to make. But I figured that, um, personally, I, I, was, I was approached in, in many ways because of my online experience. You know, the, the, that ability to to bring everything I've learned and everything I know about cricket journalism is about the online world. So then to have that knowledge and take it back into a print magazine that basically needs to modernise, needs to get with the times in, in, in the best possible sense... I'm really enjoying that marrying up the the virtues. The the the, you know the the thing I enjoy most is the the chance of really sort of mull over an issue. You know, you you you, cricket info was all about instant analysis of of things that have happened. Bang, you you know, you you write it. You know, you might write it at two o'clock in the morning because it's just happened. But you know, you you no sort of deadlines at the cricketer. You can just stop. For a bit, not forever, but for a bit, and just really think and craft it nicely, and you know, make sure it's designed to 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 the nth degree, and you know, I think that that's kind of the the secret for for all print publications. Uh, it, it, it has to sort of sing from the from from the, the page. If people are going to pay for for what is what is is editorial in this day and age, it, it's got to be got to have value added. I suppose is what you call it. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do, and it's it, it's a, it's a major challenge, but. Uh, Loving it, and it's it's uh, you know I've got uh, both both sides of the of the of the bread buttered, I guess.
1: How much cricket do you get to watch as an editor?
2: Less than I did as a correspondent, that's for sure. I mean, it's you know it, I get I got out to probably about seven or eight days of the Ashes this summer, so one whole test and a couple of couple of um, individual days. So um yeah, not as much as I used to, but. Again I I, I'm, I having done sort of exhaustive coverage of, of Test cricket it's it, again it's kind of nice to do have that change at least at least in, in the short term and then maybe come back a few years time and, and, and hit the hit the road again.
1: And you've got a, a collaboration with with MCC here in, in the academy. There's the Good Gear Guide. Can you tell me a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah, well, the Good Gear Guide has been in existence for for many moons now. But uh, last year we we did this, as you say, this collaboration with MCC. Basically, we got the opportunity to to pillage the shop, which was just awesome. <laughs> yeah. We did it on, on a on a on a nice bleak morning in January, just you know, straight after Christmas, and you know, go and pillage the Lord's shop. Take all the literally. We went up and, up and down the aisles, picked out the best bats on display took him into the nets, all 47 of them and smashed the balls around all day long it was brilliant and so we turned that into a into a supplement for for the march issue and then in this issue just coming up ahead of christmas we're doing a, a junior buyer's guide so we're going to have an eight, eight page supplement within the magazine basically if you you know if you've got a nephew or a, or a son who needs or a daughter who needs their first bat um buy the magazine and we'll tell you all about the best ones
1: brilliant is there anyone any famous cricketer in that is it
2: to be honest, I don't know for certain yet because we haven't um, haven't quite nailed down. We literally, as I say, we went to went to went to bed with the last issue, and we're going to get t- tuck into the next one in the in the coming coming months. So uh, we'll probably bring out a surprise somewhere and okay. see see who we speak to.
1: Keep the listeners on tent hooks. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and uh, right, let's let's get into the cricket then.
1: What's the season been like for you? What's been your standout moment of the twenty thirteen cricket summer?
2: Well, I think it's got to be that final day at Trent Bridge. I mean, that was just just extraordinary, the, especially at that time of the summer, wasn't it? We, when you we were wondering, will this Ashes live up to all the hype, etc. And it's always the, always the case, isn't it? Every time you get to the first day of an Ashes series, it's always that: is it going to be as big as as it as it is? And that Test match, just the the nerves and the tension on display on both sides. I mean, you know, England were were not at the races on that first first morning. I mean, I remember the ground being so quiet that day; it was just it was weird. And then on that final day, them just having to knuckle down and Jimmy dragging them over the line. And it was brilliant. And it really did, uh, you know, some people were a bit disappointed with how the rest of the series went. You know, how you can be disappointed with a 3-0 England win, I don't know. But certainly at that stage of the summer, you thought, wow, we're in for another 2005. Um, and, you know, you, you couldn't have asked for more from a, from a first game of a National Series. How
1: do you react to, as you just touched on there, some people were disappointed and there's, there's been a few journalists sort of criticising the manner in which England have played and also the manner in which they've dealt with journalists and the press and the media. You're the other side of course.
2: Yeah, I think they're two different issues. To be honest, I think if, if England want to have a, a bad rap with the press, that that's an issue for their media managers and, and their their overall attitude. I I divorce that from their play on the field. To be honest, if, you know, I I don't see Stuart Broad being grumpy in an interview as the same thing as Stuart Broad standing his ground in in a Test match. As it happens, I thought that was brilliant. In in only insofar as. I don't know anyone else who could have got away with it. The, the, the brazenness of standing your ground when you, when you hit, the, hit the cover off it and basically staring down the umpire and daring him not to give you out. I mean, you know, you, if it was a poker match, it would, you, you'd think, wow, that was the best bluff I've ever seen. So, you know, you, you, can, you can hum and whore about the, the, the spirit of the game all you like, but ultimately it was, it was yet another example of, of someone, someone's will to win. And frankly, I suppose that again comes down to this, this, this dichotomy that England face at the moment people want them to be entertaining, but at the same time they also want them to win. And when you won 3-0 and nearly won 4-0 in a five-match Ashes series, I think it's, it's splitting hairs a wee bit to start complaining about the manner in which you've done it, as long as you've done it. That's, 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 that's ultimately what pays the bills, for far as I'm concerned.
1: And we've had that great Ashes summer, and it's, it's starting all over again. I mean, the squads have been announced, uh, we've got this back-to-back series, they go straight out to Australia now. The squads were announced in the Lord's long room. The replica Ashes urn was there, and the Waterford Crystal Ashes trophy was on show. (laughs) (laughs) A bit of a mouthful, that. Absolutely. Um, What are your initial thoughts on the Test squad going out to Australia?
2: Yeah, I was. I, on the whole, I got no no complaints with it whatsoever. A couple of obvious names stand out. Um, Gary Balance uh, surprised me. uh, I think. You know, it's, it's harsh on people like Nick Compton to, to, to miss out, especially Michael Carberry. If you look at the stats that the, that, that he's had, I think um, George DeBell put it well on Greek Info that, uh, that Michael Carberry's got one Second Division 100 in two seasons and Compton's got six plus two test centuries in two seasons. So, you know, if you're going purely on, on, on red ball merits, it's it's hard to see how Carberry gets in and Compton gets out. But, uh, um, Do you other... think the time has come for Compton? I mean, it's come and gone. Mm. I think it has, sadly. I mean, you know, Jeff Miller's eternal prize. The door's never shut, but I think the door has been firmly slammed shut in Paul Nick Compton's face, and uh, I don't know, I, I feel very sorry for him. He's, he's not done a lot wrong, but at the same time, I found I found watching him, you know, you just wondered, does he have another gear? It, you do look at some players who can... Alistair Cook, for instance, who you know, bats in a in a pretty dour manner usually, but then suddenly you let him loose in a in a twenty over situation in a in a fifty over game and suddenly he's smashing 100, 150 run, hundred and fifty strike rate. So, you know, I don't think Compton has that, that ability to turn up his, his tempo in the same way. And and especially I think NASA made the point on Sky that if you're opening with Alistair Cook in a situation where England are probably gonna to want to build partnerships and just just bed down with Jonathan Trott coming in at three as well, you want to have someone who's a little bit different because those three could actually end up grinding the machine to a halt if you if you, if you you want them batting to their merits. So a little bit a little bit of difference because you've got KP and Bell to to be all, be all flighty further down the order. I mean, it, it, a bit of balance is what they're looking for, I guess.
1: Nice I'm, pun there, yeah. Well, <laughs> a bit of balance. Good Lord, I'm not
2: able to do this for a living. <laughs> so, yeah, and he could smash it. So there we go. Maybe they're going to answer, answer my own query on that one.
1: Lovely, and in the, the bowling the bowling stakes,
2: I was surprised that uh, Rankin and Tremlett was chosen. I, I got the impression um, from the way that uh, the, the the selection had gone all summer with Tremlett being talked about in dispatches that never quite used that Rankin, you know, similar height, but younger and um, you know pretty effective in the one days. Looked like he was going to be that that bloke to come off the bench and be the the scary enormous bloke to come in at Perth and. And do what Tremlett did last time round, but no, England England's reckon that, um, that you know going for that extra height is the way forward. I I do feel sorry for Graham Onions. That, that's the biggest the biggest sort of loss from this. And again, Jeff Miller saying that we can just throw him on a plane and get him out there, but it's not quite the same thing as you know. I, I remember Gus of this parish back in ninety four five when he missed out on the Ashes tour. I mean, it was it was a scandalously bad decision and it got rectified he did come into the into the tour later on but you just wonder why do you not pick a quality performer like that in the first instance I think um, I think you know he could do with a man to back up Jimmy more than anything else
1: it begs the question how much more Graham Onions could have done at the time of recording this 69 wickets at just over 18 apiece in a county championship
2: 143 in his last two seasons I mean it's just it's just nuts I mean
1: the, the question for Jeff Miller is if that's not enough wickets to get you in the squad, how many wickets do you have to take?
2: I know, and it, it's, not if, it's not as if he's not a proven performer. I mean, he's, he's, he's performed in the 2009 Ashes. He was a star performer with the batter, as it happens in the 2010 series in, in South Africa. So in, and, and, you know, he, he got very unlucky with a, with a career-threatening injury. So to come back from all of that and still return those figures, yeah, I don't understand what they've not seen in him. They, they know that he can do it at test level. And they've they seen for, for sure that he can do it at the domestic level. So, very unlucky. But, um, you know, the the, the 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 guys who've been picked, Finn has, uh, hasn't has been the best of form lately. Tremlett, we know, has always got injury concerns. Jimmy, you never know, he, he can break down. And, well, uh, Broad lasted, uh, tested a bit in the, on the last campaign. So, you know, accidents do happen. You never know, he will get a call-up at some stage. Um, you suspect it might, might happen sooner or later.
1: Lovely. Well, I'd like to talk about the laws of cricket now. Goody. Not, <laughs> not always the sexiest of subjects, uh, but without doubt, very crucial to the game. Uh, MCC, who own the laws of cricket, have produced five short animated films to help explain some of the most widely searched cricketing laws online. What is a wide ball? How many types of no ball are there? And just what is Leg Before Wicket? With the help of narrator Stephen Fry, the viewer joins young cricketer Tommy, who's a computerised avatar, as we see the laws come to life on a blackboard. Here's Fry, who umpires from time to time, talking through the LBW
3: law. You develop a sort of ability to replay in your head. You look, which is why a lot of umpires look straight back down again and then slowly raise the finger, because they're going through all the things. that are, It pitched in line with leg, or it pitched in, it pitched in line with leg. or if it pitched inside, it pitched out, pitch outside off, um, so it didn't pitch in line with the stumps, but he wasn't really playing a shot anyway, and it definitely would have gone on to have hit the top of middle, uh, and sometimes they're just plumb. Sometimes just you know, plumb Yorker on the foot or something, and you think, "Oh, that's so easy."
1: <laughs> what was it about this this project that made you want to get involved? In it? Well,
3: I, I think cricket is a complex game, and if, if you haven't grown up playing it at school, it's very difficult for all the nuances of it to come, you know, to to be available to you. And you hear these extraordinary uh, things which you and I, uh, when we watch it or listen to a commentary. They're so natural and normal, you know. Like uh, uh, you know, just slip down his leg side and uh, maybe if he hit hit his um, um, hip uh, thigh pad, or um, you know, or he, he, that was a bump ball. Uh, and you think, maybe he caught it. Why didn't? He know it was a bump ball. He drove it into the ground, and it, and it looked like a catch. And um, they go, oh God, there's that. And then there's the weather and the tea and the declarations and, and all these things to be taken into consideration. Uh, but the most important thing with the test match is just one rule. You have to get 20 wickets or you can't win a match.
1: Stephen Fry there discussing our new laws, animations, projects and umpiring. Uh, These short films will be launched in October, so this month, on lords.org. And they're also available in Hindi and Urdu. The former Pakistan batsman Ramis Raja provides the Urdu translations. Uh, You can check them out on the Lords TV channel, which is on our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube forward slash Lords Cricket Grounds, and tell us what you think. Uh, Tweet us, at homeofcricket is the handle. It's that simple. Andrew, forty-two laws. How's your knowledge?
2: <laughs> well, funny enough, I did an umpiring course um, uh, just just over the road at the Danubius in the beginning of the season. Now, I passed, so presumably they're better than better than rubbish. But uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I need to swat up. With the one one I know almost off by heart these days is Law Forty-Two Point Three because of the invariable ball-tempering fiascos that crop up from time to time. I was uh, in the thick of things in 2006 at the at the, at the Oval when all that kicked off. So, uh, yeah, the dis- disfiguration of the ball is, is, is one that uh, crops up endlessly in, in my line of work. And, um, yeah, that, that pretty much... Uh, it's less a law. It's more a sort of um, treatise these days. It's so many sub-clauses and rehashes and basically just bin the lot and start again, to be honest. but. <laughs> And
1: uh, for someone that's coming afresh to cricket, I mean, how confusing is this game? You've well, followed it for so long now.
2: Well, yes. I mean, put it this way: last night, I uh, in in common with pretty much everyone who likes sports in this country, I, I became an America America's Cup fan for, for one one race only, and so switched on halfway through, the, the well, just before the race began. But you know, knowing all of a sudden, knowing that it was eight all, having been eight one, they got top two points for having ball bearings, and they got they got a jibe, and they got a all the rest and it's like okay they've got to get from one end to the other but i simply don't understand any of the going on and in between while's and uh, you know that's only a race i mean this is a this is a five day test match we're talking so yeah to come into that blind if you if you don't if you as you say if you're not versed in the whole thing i mean god i don't know where to begin i mean i've you know I, year for years i've always meant to try and get my head around baseball but again i've just i simply don't know what's going on out there because i've i've not given myself the time an opportunity to Immerse myself in, in how it works. So, yeah, that sounds like a great project. I look I look forward to, to seeing how it pans out. And yeah, as I say, I'll, I'll brush up on a few and uh, maybe have a refresher course for my umpiring next summer.
1: Well, brilliant. I mean, the first five videos are almost there, and I've had a little look at them, and they, they they look fantastic. You've got Tommy, who is our little avatar, talking you through it, and then Stephen Fry there, he's narrating it. So, no, they're fantastic, and hopefully, you'll get kids. Coming online as they do on their tablets and iPads, etc., having a little look and you know learning about the laws of cricket because
2: yeah, it's confusing. The LBW yeah. law—that's
1: a tricky one.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, there were so many elements of that I got wrong in my course as well. We had to, we had a we had a sort of um, it was a, I think it was a, a multiple choice options on on whether yeah. things were out or not, and it's surprising how many I got wrong. It's just, you know, you criticise umpires for getting them wrong all the time, but there's a lot to think about.
4: Middlesex
1: County Cricket Club at Lords since 1877. A slightly frustrating season. That was the main assessment from Angus Fraser when I asked him earlier how he felt Middlesex had fared this year. However, with six victories in the county championship, it was certainly an improvement on last year and all the signs are there that the Lord's based team will be pushing for silverware again next season. Both Captain Chris Rogers and Fraser admitted that ultimately they had been let down by their batting. Well, after the marquee signing of bowler James Harris at the beginning of this season, I asked Fraser if he had anyone lined up for 2014, particularly in the batting department.
5: We're yet to find out, or it's yet to be announced, but I think I say the the, the the signing for us may well be Owen Morgan if he loses his central contract. Yeah, and yeah. that's what we're still waiting on. Um, uh, we don't know that that hasn't been released yet, but uh, we haven't got the, the, the funding to we'll be going out there and getting any big name players this winter. So what we'll be working on is improving the cricketers that we've got and, and building on what we've got in that way, on what we've achieved this year in that way.
1: And I guess that sort of brings brings us on to my last question, <laughs> which is. <laughs> You mentioned it earlier, clearly the middle order has has been a source of problems for you this mm. year. If Morgan was to lose his contract, his central contract, then he would bolster that naturally. Um, is it just a, a case of working hard in the nets over the winter or just playing more cricket or
5: just maybe a bit more belief in that middle order? I think it's a combination of all those things, to be honest. Um, I don't think I mean, anybody who's seen Milan, Denley, Dexter play... Uh, and again if, if we're talking about the middle order I mean, I'm, sort of, I'm, I'm pulling those names out because they'll all accept that they want to do more we will know what fine players they can be mm-hmm. and and how destructive they can be and how they can take the game away from an opponent in, in, a, in a two or three hour session and again it's a bit of a quandary that I mean, Denley and, and, and Milan have had excellent white ball seasons I was going to say that yeah, David so Milan seemed superb in the YB40 yeah, so competition. it's not a lack of talent um, but it's, it's down to us as a club to sort of, and them as players primarily, uh, to, to to get the best out of themselves.
1: Gus Fraser there on Middlesex and that middle order conundrum. It's sort of an interesting thing that he touched on there. Kind of wishing one of his players
2: to lose out on an England central contract, Owen Morgan. I know it's funny to, to talk of it as a, as a signing when you know he's been a, a, a Middlesex player for for as, as long as I can recall. So yeah, it, it is a funny world. and It just goes to show how rarely. These these counties see their star players when they do get international call-ups. Which also, you know, talking about this disappointing summer, I mean, they can't have imagined that Chris Rogers was going to get, get nabbed for the for the Ashes. So, you know, to lose your lose your captain captain and opener in that manner is, uh, you know, unfortunate. Um, but you know, they they, they look on course to finish well fourth probably by the time this goes out. So. Um it's uh, it's not a bad season but um, I certainly had them down as, as, as one of the contenders this summer that's that's for sure they, they, they look like a side who've who've just pulled it together a wee bit in, in 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 recent seasons in much in the way that Surrey haven't yet so it's uh, yeah onwards, onwards and upwards it's always the way even even with a with a missing throat like Gus and judge <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, we also talked about Sam Robson uh, Gus and I he's a great player and he's got this kind of the, the heritage question now coming into his mind you know is he Australian or is he English he's been selected for the England Lions I believe he checking has my indeed. sheet there he has <laughs> Yeah, he's, so he's going out uh, this this winter but you know if Australia decide well actually we'll knock on his door see what he thinks the well, England opening partnership looks we guess Root and Cook they're probably going to be around for a, for a while, based on the way the England selection has been over the last few years under Flowers. So.
2: Yeah, it's a fascinating one. I mean, with with Robson, I mean the, the Aussies have actually changed their own rules to to court him. It's the unofficially known as the Robson rule. You can read all about it in the cricket next month, actually. And, and it's um, it's got this uh, because when you have qualified as a Australian-born player to play in county cricket, you can't then go back to play in the Sheffield Shield. It's, it's a, it seems very. You know, cut your nose off to spite your face sort of reaction, and they they decided that's a bit stupid because obviously anyone who's any good who has dual nationality is going to want to come and play in county cricket because there's more money over here than than, than and also more money if you want to get into the England setup as well. And Robson, to judge what, judge by what he's said, you know he's been here here six years. He says he's very settled in London. He's he's giving off all the noises as if to say, you know what, Australia, yeah, back off. I'm I'm, I'm a pond now. So um we'll see. But as you say, if if this root root cook opening partnership ca- carries on and you know as you say they're, they're both young there's plenty of reason to believe they they will remain in a partnership for for ages who knows he, he may, he, he, until he's picked by england anything's possible the lions doesn't change a thing so so i dare say england might just throw him, throw him in for a one day international at some stage just to just to sort of tie-dye him and then uh, then, he, then he's england england forevermore
1: how cynical <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and who's your county well funny enough I grew up in Dorset so I didn't really follow a county as such I, I was sort of caught between Somerset and Hampshire but I end up Tough. more I end up more between more into the personality so Gus was one of my heroes um, uh, Gucci for Essex uh, it was uh, both them at Worcestershire in those days Graham hick as well those are the sort of names I scour the, the time scorecards every morning and look out for the, the key people toughers as well so you know those are the, that was kind of how I followed my cricket very much on scorecard and, and personality basis rather than Rather than county basis,
1: and do you still do that in the county championship? To a
2: certain extent, although you know it, it is difficult these days. With as you were saying, with 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 fewer of the of the, the real star names available anymore, it, it, it's tough to you know. It is a problem that I don't think the administrators address properly. How to ensure that that, you know, and we've seen with with Durham's season, there are some great stories to be had in county cricket and and all the rest but without the the hook of, of a real interesting personality who will, who will drive it into the papers it, it's a real tough sell so you know I, I i i fear for the for the for the the propagation of the game in that respect i think it, helped, mm. it needs to help itself a bit more and that really ultimately comes down to the the ecb helping the counties with more availability i think history and cricket with the lord's podcast
1: in 1987, Mike Gatting got his name up on the Lord's Honours Board when he struck a century in the MCC versus a rest of the World eleven in a test match to celebrate the bicentenary of the club. I caught up with Gatting, who becomes MCC President this October, in the committee dining room and started off by asking him what he remembered from that match.
6: There was a stage set for a, for a magnificent game of cricket. Um, that was it. Uh, some wonderful players on, on both sides. But I felt I was the luckiest person because I had a bloke called Malcolm Marshall who I'd never had on my side before and I had a huge amount of respect for him um, and uh, to have him on my side, although I had Richard Hadley too, I had a huge amount of respect for him. In fact, all the guys that you, you played with, um, you know, you had Imran on the other side and Courtney Walsh and Abdul Kader, um, you know, we had people like Ravi Shastri and John Embry there, Imran Khan as well. So, you know, you, you just had a huge amount of uh, talent on show that day, Yavid, me and dad. Greenwich, Haynes, Gavaska. I mean, just go through. that a wonderful, wonderful bunch of names. And you just sort of think, you know, what would happen in this game of cricket with, with that sort of side out? There? Would they cancel each other out or not? But the sun was out. The wicket was good. Um, and we managed to, to win the toss and, and have a bat. And uh, it, again, was one of those sort of lovely times where we got off to a reasonable good start. But uh, I managed to get in early. And uh, I think I might have got dropped, actually, at uh, a mid-on at one point. I think I was hitting uh, Abdul um, somewhere and, and, and mis- mistimed it, but it was put down, I think, by me and Dad, actually. I'm not sure, but uh, I did. I think I got dropped uh, at some stage. But after that, it was, um, you know, uh, the guys were running in on a very, very hot day on a very good wicket, and uh, the fast outfield, you know, it was a great crowd out there. So it was just, everything was there for a a wonderful game of cricket
1: and it was a real stellar cast of players as you mentioned I mean you were facing Imran Khan Courtney Walsh Kapil Dev you still you still got to that 100 mark what was that what was it like as you inched closer to a century and you thought get my name up on that honours board
6: I don't know I was thinking about that to be perfectly honest I mean uh, you know I think Abdul probably bowled quite a few overs and, uh, and Roger Harper as well on their side um, but yeah we had our fair share of, of, of the guys coming at us but you know there are guys we'd all, all faced in county cricket it was quite a good wicket, I have to say. It was very flat and it was hot. You know, and it, 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 you know, I think everybody was out there and they were really trying to entertain the crowd and um, you know, that's all we were trying to do. Um, you won't get it in a better arena against the, the players. It wasn't probably quite like playing for your own country, but as I say, the attack itself was, uh, uh, that we were facing was an extraordinary attack.
1: Mike Gatting there recalling his 179
2: against the rest of the world. Do you remember that game? Certainly do. It was it was almost certainly my first proper memory of cricket. I would have been nine at the time. Um, I I do actually have two, two memories. Funny enough, they both revolve around gas around that time. I my first real season of being into into cricket was nineteen eighty nine. Uh, that Ashes, for, for some god awful reason, that really got me hooked. But um, my first memory, I think must have been the 86-7 tour, watching Daddles the Duck walk off the screen when Kathy got out for a duck. I just remember thinking that was brilliant, Um, but I never saw it again because obviously it was the only thing that Australia did, so I wondered for years what happened to to Daddles the Duck. And then the second thing was Gat walking off the field straight off being bold, declaring his innings shut after 455 for five declared he bowled by Courtney Walsh, then picks up his picks up his bat and walks off. I, I remember thinking, as a nine year old, is he sulking or something? What's going on here? It's what about the spirit of the game?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that. I'd forgotten about that duck. Um, they had that duck in South Africa as well. I, as a kid watching cricket in South Africa. They might have been playing Australia, actually, so it might have been, the, it might have been a networked TV mm. station. But, yeah, the, the little duck, and he put his bat underneath. That's right. Yeah. Off he <laughs> <and> go. <laughs> goes. Yeah. You'd just be praying as a kid that they got ducks. He Saw this little duck
2: walk across the screen. That was insane. It never caught on over here, though.
1: The Lord's Podcast. Memories of the home of cricket. Well, it's the bicentenary of Lord's Cricket Ground, as it is here next year in 2014, mm. in its third guise, as it were. So, Lord's was... The first ground was down at Dorset Square, just near Baker Street, and then there was also the second ground was known as North Bank. I've been told by our librarian at the, in the MCC Library. Uh, that's where Lisson Grove dissects Regent's Canal. So anyone that knows the St John's Wood area quite well, um, you're kind of coming northwards. And anyway, so it's the, the, the 200th year of the ground, and there's going to be a, another MCC versus the rest of the world uh, in 2014. It's going to be one day. Here, so bring it on. You're looking forward to that one.
2: Yeah, yeah, they're great events. I think it's going to be a women's game as well. So it's going to be going to be hopefully all the great names will be out. I mean, you know, the, the chances of ever being able to whistle up twenty-two of the greatest players in the world for five, well, six days? I think it was a rest day as well, wasn't there? You won't get that in this day and age. But to no. get get them all for a day, I think uh, that's certainly feasible, and I imagine it'll be a pretty spectacular lineup. So bring it on.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Earlier this month, Michael Palin popped into the MCC library to have a chat with cricket broadcaster and cricket historian David Raven-Allen. The former Monty Python star and Raven-Allen had a chat over a cup of tea and a slice of cake. Um, Here they are discussing how Palin first fell in love with the game as a young boy in Sheffield.
4: In school, of course, he supported Sheffield football team and Yorkshire cricket. And there were many... There was the Yorkshire League, there were many good... Good games. I saw up at Hallam. I mean, we had some frickly colliery and people. like A lot of sort of uh, miners' teams would come along, and you saw some good games. I got extremely excited. Yorkshire League cricket or Lancashire like League cricket. Yes, of them. I mean there's a pretty high standard, isn't it? You know, they really a very perform- a very high standard. Yeah, oh. and 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 always, I mean there was a certain amount of professionalism, but there was a great deal of sort of just sheer enjoyment of the game. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was, it was that, that's where I sort of. And you fantasised it when you were playing in the back garden, did you? Well, yes. You were Len Hutton or something? Uh, or? I, I was, yes. I, I used to um, play out whole test matches, usually test matches, and I think it was county games. I must have had an awful lot of time on my hands, and um, I was, you know, uh, 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 well, couldn't be the bowler because there was not much room, but I could be the batsman, so I'd make a lot of play going around by the dustbins and down walking down to where there was a big drain pipe, and that would be where the stumps were. Right. And I, I just loved all the detail of, you know, yeah. adjusting them, adjust their belts, adjust the pads, look around. Oh, you really would? Oh, about yeah, I loved all that. I think that's sort of early indication to one sort of, uh, of, a kind of a way of looking at the world, like an actor does or a writer does. You know, you notice little things that other people might miss. Um... But so it was, it was the detail and how they sort of got down to it. And I would sometimes just, on a whim, this it would be Hutton or somebody, and be out first ball, just something decide, you know. It'd be a lot of preparation, a lot of digging in, a lot of looking around, marking the crease, all that sort of thing. You were really everyone expecting a century, and there he is, nicks it, caught at first slip, you know, and he had to walk all the way back.
1: <laughs> Michael Palin there talking about reenacting Test matches as a young boy in his back garden. Did you ever do that? Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All the time. Actually, I, I, I um, spent more time um, playing uh, How's That? You know, those little silver dice, the, the, <sighs> the, the six sided sort of tumbly dice thing, which uh, I used to I invented entire great conundrum to that because the fundamental flaw of that was it was just one to six. So, of course, you, if you roll a six and then another six and another six, so you get completely unrealistic scorecards. Mm-hmm. So, I ended up with a situation where if you roll a six, you had to roll again, and then again, and then maybe it would be, by the end of it, that's a dot ball. So <laughs> it used to last for days. We used to do that at school all the time, a, a, a group of, I suppose we must have been the fairly geeky side of the school. Um, but our, it was less involving heroes. It was more involving sort of um, slightly pseudo... Um, uh, Political teams, I think you know, poll Pot caught Reagan, Bull Thatcher, that sort of thing. Really, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so you know, get, end up some end up some extraordinary scorecards based on based on current affairs. But anyway, you know, we, we, we all end up with doing doing random things when you kids. So.
1: That's an interesting one. Um, it's it's funny you mentioned that. Um, Greg James, who was here, the Radio One DJ, who I think has had a run in <laughs> with uh, Jeffrey Boycott. Indeed, he he he, uh, he popped into Lords uh, for the for the Australia Test, and um, he told us that he used to put a shower mat down on his back garden on the wicket overnight so he he was like Mick Hunt he would cover the wicket with his mum's shower curtain so that's you know so I think there must be there must be something in sort of young cricket fans growing up that you just recreate I mean, maybe that's the beauty of cricket is the length that the game takes to play as a as a kid with a lot of time on your hands, There's not yeah. a lot to do, let's be honest. Well, I know,
2: I know that I ended up being a, a Fraser-esque seam bowler because I was effectively an only, only child. My brothers were seven and eight years older than me and away at boarding school. So the only place I could really play cricket in in our house was down down the alley with the apple tree next to me. So, you know, <laughs> pick an apple and bowl it down the alley, and if it didn't hit the side of the, the wall, it was a good ball. So I spent hours raiding the apple store and, uh, and destroying the crop. But it was
1: <laughs> Did you fun. have the slightly staggered... Run up, right? so coming at a slight angle. No, it had
2: to be arrow straight because the because the cause the, the, bar, the path didn't go around a corner. Yeah, so was right. literally, my, my run up is entirely designed to, to fit into a garden, <laughs>
1: and still is to this day. Lovely. Well, um, Palin is clearly a big fan of cricket, and he's been a big fan of coming to Lords throughout the years. Um, the first came to the ground back in the sixties, and here he is um, continuing the conversation and talking about what he believes is a kind of quintessential cricket crowd. Actually, it
4: happened the other day. I had to go to a physio who had a practice on Wellington Road, and I came out just as people were coming down for the start of the Test match. And it was like this huge sea of middle-aged men <laughs> with their sort of thermoses <laughs> and lunches coming towards me. You know, it was quite intimidating. I was the only one going going up the hill, and I thought, "This is a cricket crowd. This couldn't be a crowd at any mm-hmm. other ground anywhere. This, this, these, these are cricketers." Old ladies could feel threatened. <laughs> yes, well, they, they could. Yes. <laughs> yes, they might be helped across the road against their wishes. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of jackets and sort of yeah. ties. And, Finally, and that, what do you what do you think a day at Lords comprises? I think it's 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 a long day, and I think the are sort of the two ways of doing Lords. One is is to go there and socialise and have a nice meal and a bit to drink and, and goes off just when the vital moment is happening in the cricket. Or the other is to go and just watch every ball. And I'm sort of torn between the two. I'm quite a sociable guy and I've met so many people here, including, you know, the great Keith Miller towards the end of his life. Um, but I'm also I, I do love the the you know the detail of the game. I think the Really, the audience ought to be giving it the same application as, the, as you expect of the people out there um, on the pitch.
1: Some lovely thoughts there from Michael Palin on coming to watch cricket at this great ground. Um, we've already sort of talked about your first memory of Lords, uh, which was the 87 Rest of the World match. What's it like coming to this ground as a journalist? And can, can you remember the first time you walked through either the Grace Gate or the North Gate?
2: I certainly can. The first time I came here was the, uh, it's actually quite late on, it was 96 uh, India test was the first time I actually got to the ground. I, I'd been to a few tests down at the Oval before that. I went to, My first ever test was 1990 at the Oval. Uh, so this was the first one I got to. It was um, uh, Dickie Bird's final game. Uh, and he was, you know, he, he had tears in his eyes as he triggered Athers in the second over. Or <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I actually ended up on telly, patting him on the back as he left the field, I think. So so that was that was that was a that was a good good moment um but it was no, it, it's amazing every time you come here it, it, it always gives you a spring in the step it, it always helps that little gradient down from from uh, from the tube station as well you you can't help but sort of speed up because yeah. you're going down a slope it's like i'm being the tractor beam is pulling me in and it's that uh, ah, it's fantastic I, I generally come in from the north gate but every now and again obviously to for, for lord's dinners and what have you come around come through the grace gates and that that's a that's a special treat
1: absolutely and that love Description there by uh, Palin of the, of the Lords cricket crowd and the men with their blazers and their l- lunches. I do you get that in 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 other cricket grounds or maybe other sports? I mean, it's it's, it's an interesting it one, is, isn't
2: it? It is. I mean, obviously you get it, you get it in certain sort of Henley situations, but but I I think there's a, there's more of an engagement I feel with 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 cricket as a, as the sport that's going on. It's obviously a great social occasion at Lords with the blazers etc. But I also feel that you know, and uh, a lot of the time when you go to Blazed events it's it's more about going out back and and and, and hanging around the champagne tents it's a yeah. you do i sense there's much more engagement with with what's going on out in the middle here at, in, in a cricket game largely i suppose because it lasts all day therefore when you are watching you're gonna you're gonna be really into it it, it gives you an opportunity to you know you always sense that this crowd is 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 attentive yeah and and, and ready to to react to whatever whether it's an opposition hundred or 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 Key moment in the game. It's uh, there's always that, that that hubbub going on, isn't there? That uh, that, that it never fail to appreciate it.
1: Sheldon. And the players deserve the attention, as Absolutely, you yeah. say. they they are out there and putting on well a real performance. Absolutely. Um, well, as, as the sun is setting on this uh, well, lovely September afternoon, I'd just like to ask, what what's in store for you now as we head into the winter?
2: Well, it's a good question. We got another issue to put together. We have got some—it's a, a special captains-themed issue. This this one, we have got a Michael Clark interview, and uh, obviously there was, a, there was a great captains' dinner the other day with twenty-two group legendary Test captains all rolled up to, to take part in that. So, I've spoken to several of them, and going kind to of pull that together in the next issue. And then it's the Ashes, um, potentially going to the Adelaide Test. Uh, still, still TBC. Again, it's. A, it's a difficult one in my position as as, as an editor with sort of rolling deadline monthly. I can't just drop everything and dive off for the two months of an Ashes tour, much as I'd love to. But uh, so I, I might sneak myself a ten-day trip to Adelaide and do do some features on on obviously what, what's going to be a very renovated ground by the time I get out there, compared to the one I've, I've been for the last two Ashes tests out there. Um, and then it's into the into the deep midwinter, bit of Christmas, bit a bit more Ashes. And then the Good Gear Guide in January, so it's uh, yeah, it never never stops. It's never it's, stops. It's, it's always rolling, and uh, well, it's, it's going to be a great winter, isn't it? I mean, you know, uh, to get an Asher series out of the way and have another one straight straight ahead. I mean, you know, some people call it overkill, but I can't help but be excited about it.
1: Absolutely. And can we just um,
2: can we get any any sneak preview into what that Clark interview will say? Well, it was a very very interesting scenario. I spoke to him first of all there were various top-ups involved but the first the first and key moment i spoke to him was on the eve of the old Trafford test okay so obviously he was a man under serious pressure 2-0 down in the series um you know i think speaking to the media at that moment was probably the last thing on his mind but then the following day he came out got 100 nearly got australia back into the series and you can't help but admire him i mean especially given that his his back looks like it's going to keep him out of the india tour he looks like he's been Operating on, on on one disc all summer, but he's still an incredible performer, and uh, I think an underrated captain. I, I, I've got a lot of time for him as a as a as a leader and a captain. Uh, I think he's in a very tough job and, and doing the best he can. But uh, um, I don't think it's going to get any easier this winter. I think he, he might he might struggle to to uh, gel his team sufficiently to overcome well three nil three nil deficit in the home summer. You don't. You don't go into a home series against the team that's beaten you that heavily with uh, anything other than a bit of foreboding, I think.
1: Absolutely. As you say, it's going to be a great winter of cricket for all us cricket fans to look forward to. And uh, well, m- Many thanks for coming on the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Certainly have.
2: No, it's a be- beautiful evening. Very, very, nice, very nice company and yeah, excellent. Anytime.
1: Great stuff. Well, many thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back next month with more cricketing stories from Lords. So remember to follow us on Twitter. We're at Home of Cricket. Be our friend on Facebook. And for all the latest news from Lords, just go to Lords.org. See you soon.